This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Maggie. My name is Brian. And today we have two very special guests with us. They are Katarina Jang and Christy Yen, and they are the creative entrepreneurs and co-founders of Slanted, a collective of Asian Americans celebrating the journey of self-discovery. Their mission is to cultivate the community that Asian Americans want, need, and deserve. So Katarina is also the strategic director at Spectacle, which is an inclusive content marketing agency. She is a first-generation Filipina-Taiwanese-American activist and poet. She has a bachelor's of arts in English and music from Cornell University. And Christy is also channeling her creativity for good as a social entrepreneur on a mission to make the world a more inclusive and equitable place. And she has a dual degree in business admin and public health from UC Berkeley. Welcome, Katerina and Christy. Wow, that was an amazing intro. I feel like you guys really did your research well, and I'm very impressed. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's, it's all you guys. So it's you guys who are impressive. We're very happy to have you on the show. Yeah. I was going to, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was just hearing that. I was like, wow, we've come such a long way. I feel like from our first intro that we've ever given or like the first bio we've ever written. And I just feel so good about where we've landed. So just like, it feels more like who we are. Right. Um, well, we're very yeah. excited to unravel that story. Mm. And yeah, so we'd love to start off and just know a little bit about, you know, your background you know, the family that you grew up with, you know, did you grow up in a very traditional Asian household or were they, were they more laid back? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we'll start with Christy. Sure. So I don't know how much your listeners know about your backgrounds as hosts, but if they know anything about Brian, I just discovered that we grew up basically like neighbors um, in a similar upbringing, I'm going to assume, like the 626, or we jokingly call like the Boba neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, what that meant was I had a very traditional Asian American upbringing where I was raised by you know, an immigrant mother from Taiwan. And all she really wanted was for me to go to a really good university and get like a job at, you know, one of the big four companies or big three management consulting companies, and then just be really secure with benefits for the rest of my life. And I think I never questioned that growing up because it was such a conservative neighborhood where we spent most of our time at like SAT school, extracurriculars like marching band. Um, and it really wasn't until like going into college and actually realizing like my first existential crisis of nothing of what I'm doing is actually making me happy. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I definitely thought I was checking off the boxes, but at the end of the day, like my soul never felt alive. And I, I knew there was like a latent creativity that was just, it was there, but there was like nothing really pushing me or giving permission to go chase after this. Mm -hmm. And I think with slanted, it's what gave me permission to chase after my creativity. So mm -hmm. I feel like after 
really following like traditional success stories for Asian Americans, I decided that one day I just wanted to trust my gut because I just wasn't happy anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so eventually I left corporate, but it took a really long time. And I think for a while I beat myself up about it because I was like, you know, especially growing up as a millennial and being in the Bay Area for a little bit, I went to college in the Bay. Like you see these success stories of entrepreneurs where they're like, quit everything tomorrow and follow your passion. And Not easy, man. <laughs> I know. I, I know. It's like easier said than done. And so I just remember seeing a lot of those stories and just feeling like I was behind. Mm -hmm. And then I think tackle that like or couple that with like the immigrant parent voice of like, everything has to be secure. It's coming from a very survivalist mentality. Like I felt a lot of guilt, like a lot of Asian guilt chasing after what I loved. Mm -hmm. um, but I think like being around actually the Asian American community and seeing other entrepreneurs like doing the thing, I was like, actually it's possible and it's okay for us to chase after things for fulfillment and not just survival. So mm -hmm. like, I just feel so grateful for that. And I mean, a lot of that happened over the last like five to 10 years. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, it's, it's been a while, but I definitely feel like I mentioned in the intro, like I just feel so much happier and just so much more myself. Um, but I'm definitely grateful for the initial journey of, you know, having a good work ethic and um, learning to really appreciate, I think, the sacrifices our parents made for us to chase after fulfillment and not just survival. Mm -hmm. And we have to apply it too. Like, it does take a lot of courage to make that jump. Mm -hmm. It's like you can hear all these mentors tell you what you need to do until you're mentally ready to make that jump. You can't make that jump, you know? So I, know. I applaud you for, for making that move and thank you so much for doing what you do. Yeah. And I also want to touch on that too. I feel like I resonate with your story a lot because. I come from a family of non-entrepreneurs as well. And so no one in my family is an entrepreneur. And they also wanted me and my siblings to, you know, like graduate, go to college, you know, get a well-paying job until the day that we're 65, you know. So it was like very challenging for me to, you know, present to them the, the concept of entrepreneurship because they knew nothing about it. You know, and at some point I was just like, I feel like I want more of my, in my life, you know, not to just sit in a cubicle for the rest of my life. So really applaud you for, you know, taking that step and, and really making that jump. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I feel like I don't want to discredit my parents and immigrant parents because I think it's so well intended. And um, some of my friends know this, but actually when I finally quit corporate in May of 2019, Mm -hmm. It took me five months to actually tell my mom that I quit my job. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it was like a mini version of the farewell where I was like, do I tell her that I left? Um, and I was pleasantly surprised because when I finally told her, I, you know, I had your stereotypical Asian mentality of like, here are all my talking points. Here is like plan A to plan Z yeah. of how I'm going to make money and survive in New York City. And <laughs> she literally didn't ask for any of that. And I was, I started crying because she basically said like, I trust you that if you've made this decision, I know it's not done lightly. Um, I'm really proud of you. And like, as you know, like that's so rare to hear. So um, it, it actually gave me way more trust actually in like our immigrant parents that like, if they've been here long enough, I think they, at the end of the day, know that if you're chasing what you love doing, like that's what really matters. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Really yeah. Mm -hmm. Katarina, let's hear your story. Yeah, so I did not grow up in the 626, although I wish I did. I grew up in Long Island in a very white Jewish suburban neighborhood. And so my childhood was like bar and bat mitzvahs, just wanting to fit in, really rejecting my Asian American identity. Mm -hmm. I remember I went to Chinese school, but I don't speak Chinese. And growing up, I just wanted to fit in with the kids around me. 
And it wasn't until after I graduated college where I was like, oh shit, like there's this huge part of my identity that I've never dived into. Um, fast forward to me being introduced to Christy by a mutual friend and similar to you both, they started a Facebook group just for Asian Americans to chat about what was going on in their everyday lives and how to deal with things that we deal with as Asian Americans on a day-to-day basis. And I was like, wow, this totally opened up my world. And that was sort of the spark for Slanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also had a very traditional Asian American tiger dad. He is from Taiwan, extremely strict. I always joke about that when I was a child, my schedule is more packed than it is today as a 29-year-old adult. Like it was prep school, violin lessons, piano lessons, Chinese school, dance classes, like literally everything you could think of on the planet. Um, And so now I'm unlearning a lot of that. I'm unlearning a lot of like, we need to always be working really hard to be considered successful or to be happy or like, the amount of work that we produce also determines our value and how we should feel about ourselves. So I'm in the process of unlearning a lot of those things. But as Christy mentioned, I am so grateful for a lot of those values that my dad instilled in me, like Mm. the hard work ethic, being persistent, um, just being passionate about whatever you're doing and seeing things through. So there's good and bad to everything. Um, And yeah, I feel like it's been such a journey. I'm, I'm a little different in that I'm very, um, like I love taking risks. Mm -hmm. So when Slanted produced, like when Slanted showed an opportunity for being something bigger than what we thought it was going to be when it started out, I was like, let's do this. I'm (laughs) all in. I like left my job. I always hated corporate America. I can, I can't deal with like politics and bullshit so when stuff would happen in corporate America I just be like this is dumb like we can all be working harder and not be dealing with (laughs) all the stuff that's not productive and so I was very eager to leave the regular nine to five and kind of build this life that I've always dreamed of and so I took the leap and I've been like very proud and happy and excited about being self-employed and being an entrepreneur. So we're both here in the same place. It just took a little bit of time for us to get there. And I think everyone's journey is valid. Like Mm. I'm risk tolerant. Christy's risk adverse. That's totally fine. There's so many ways to become an entrepreneur Mm. and there's no right or wrong wrong way. Just is based on what your values are and what you're comfortable with. Yeah. yeah, I really love this conversation too yeah. because it just really shows us like how like-minded you guys are are with us, like mm-hmm. me and Maggie. You know, like I'm really risk tolerant. Like if I feel passionate about something, I'll just leave the next day <laughs> for my job. You know, I'm like, all right, I just figure things out. You know, so I, I really love that mentality too, and just having that eagerness to make a difference too. It's not just like having the ambition or building a, a dream that you always want to. It's having a goal in mind and that vision. Mm-hmm. You know. Let's start with how you guys started Slanted, you know, like you guys met, you know, you guys are very like-minded. Love your mission statement, by the way. Yes. It's, it, we read through the mission statement, we're like, wow, it's very similar to AHN. Yeah, that's great. It resonated <laughs> with us so much yeah. because I know you guys are all about uplifting the Asian American community mm-hmm. and, you know, making sure that you have a safe space for Asians. So it's, it's very similar to AHN. That's why, you know, it's- You guys resonated. are our inspiration because yeah. you guys came first. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to know, um, you know, what 
really inspired you to create Slanted? And, you know, what were the first few, you know, pinpoints that you saw, you know, each of you saw in your lives that really drove you to, to, you know, think of that conclusion, like, I really need to make this community for agents so that we can all feel it. Yeah, how did the idea come about, too? It's like a random coffee day, random Mm -hmm. Zoom day. Like, how how did it come about? Yeah. So... I can I can start our the story of our love our love story. But, um, our our meet cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah our meet cute. We met at Bread's Bakery in New York City just to talk about a random UX project that I was working on. This is when I was going through like a quarter life crisis. Like, what do I want to do with my life? I was working at a startup at that time, mm-hmm. and I was also taking a UX design course at General Assembly. And so, I actually interviewed Christy as like a user research interview. Nice. We ended up having like a really long, just like energizing and inspiring conversation about like being in a new city, being a woman, like trying to find your place in this world. And as I mentioned before, later on, Chrissy invited me to this Facebook group called Project Boat. Mm-hmm. And I would say that was the first spark for Slanted where there were all these amazing conversations happening in this private Facebook group. And I was like, this needs to be out into the real world. And so I was like, does anyone want to start a zine? And um, I created like a humble Google spreadsheet where people dropped in story ideas. Christy dropped in so many ideas and I was like, hey, like, do you want to do this together? And I was recently looking at my old emails just to like reminisce on our journey. And Um, we had, Christy and I had a a calendar invite for zine chat and it was like 30 minutes in like December of 2016. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the first time where we were like, what can this actually look like? Um, and then from there we rallied a group of friends to start a Kickstarter campaign to launch issue one of Slanted and everything was just like friends, family, and fools. Like for that issue, we sent out a Google form. This is like, I feel like it's like a Google sponsored video, but it's not. (laughs) Um, We sent out a Google form to ask for story submissions. I want to say we got like maybe 30 to 40 for the first issue. Um, And then we launched the Kickstarter campaign, which I think was the first like light bulb moment of, wow, the world really wants Asian American stories and spaces for Asian Americans to be seen and to thrive. Um, So our first Kickstarter campaign was fully funded in less than 32 hours and we ended up raising $17,000 for issue one. And from there, there are so many iterations we can talk to, talk to you all about um, regarding like our existential crises as a company and as a brand and what we stand for. But that was the initial spark. And today we offer the annual literary magazine as well as community gatherings, now all virtual thanks to COVID. Um, And we also just launched our B2B arm of the business called the Impact Studio, which Christy is spearheading. So we're doing a lot of this cultural consulting work for other companies that need more diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it's been quite a journey, but here we are today. I love it. Oh, yeah. I love That's your amazing. execution. I love yeah. the vision. I love the goals. Mm-hmm. And you, you're absolutely right. There is a big need for a space for us to all communicate and talk like this. Um, I think for us, when we started Asian Hustle Network, we kind of started as a place for people to share their hustle, share their, you know, share their stories. But it became a community where people feel like they wanted to belong to something greater. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, like a lot of people, I guess like, I think Chrissy could relate to me. 
like living in 66, we're in our, we're in our bubble, you know, like we're, we're the absolute ma- majority in our community. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know like we were minorities until we left the circle, you know? So seeing how people outside another place of the country feel like they're minority makes it, gives us more motivation to like, hey, we need to take a step back and give a space for people to feel like they belong to something that, you know, that we all have in common with. That's okay to be Asian. Mm-hmm. That's cool to be Asian, you know? Yeah, I agree. And also, I think that the mission is great for Slanted. You know, I think that once you presented to other people that, you know, we're sharing Asian stories, right, you have the opportunity to use your voice, right? And I feel like a lot of Asians just growing up with our families, our parents tell us, like, you should be quiet, you know, don't create any chaos. If you do go through the entrepreneurial route, you know, don't tell anyone, don't tell any of your cousins because, you know, they'll make fun of you. It's like all of this like generational limiting belief that you should always like stay quiet and not create any noise, right? And I think that's what affected our community so much. And other communities see us in that way, like, oh, because Asians are so quiet, like they can't do anything to make change, right? But once we started telling people like, oh, we have a voice, right? We can share stories. We can talk about our stories and share them with other people so that everyone can better understand us. We can better understand other people. Then it's like, Yes, like we have this opportunity and this this torch so that we can make a movement for our community, right? And I think a lot of Asians just like, they feel so confined where if they have the opportunity to share their story, they're like, oh, like, yes, I, I, I want to share my story, right? Like I want to talk about my life so that I can inspire other people, right? And then other people want to be inspired too. So it's amazing that what you guys are doing, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, let's take a step back and talk about your, your original goals and your, your original vision too, and how that how that changed through time. Like, mm-hmm. where you guys when you guys first started in two thousand sixteen, right, mm-hmm. two thousand seventeen, until now. Like, what was the vision like then, and what's the vision like now? Yeah, it's really funny you say that. I mean, everything you're saying resonates so deeply with us. Um, as you heard from Katarina, like we started off as like a humble magazine. Mm-hmm. It's funny when we say zine because zine is like a stapled <laughs> Xerox photocopy <laughs> thing. And now if you've seen the magazine, it's actually like on average like 120 to like 150 pages. And it's, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful work of art. I think mainly because it's a tool for self-actualization. And I think when we first started the magazine, it was just meant to be a space to uplift everyday Asian Americans. And I think that piece is really distinctive and really important to remember because, you know, when we grew up looking at media, like we didn't really see people who look like us and representation is obviously important, but to be able to democratize that and to be able to say that like everyone's story matters is really powerful. And it's like not... I would say it's not coincidental that Slanted started after the 2016 election. I think this like unsettling feeling that we all had as a community of like we were overlooked we people don't think that our voices matter what is our way of kind of defying this new administration and showing the world and society that our stories and our voices and our journeys matter so like i think we didn't realize at the time how political we were going to be um but i mean our roots are 1000 percent political and activists in their own right we just didn't realize it at the time it was just like our creative way of trying to put our voices out there and actually no one on the team has actually contributed to the magazine their stories like we actually open up the space for other people to share their stories and it's our goal at the time was like not to write about asian stories but to 
just have Asian people telling stories. Right. Um, because, you know, eventually in the future, it's like, it's not really about the Asian American experience per se. Mm -hmm. It's just like, we have so many stories out there that we can just share stories as a whole. Like right. I look at Ted Chang, the science fiction writer. And like, if you read his books, you would never know that it's written by an Asian American, right? It's just such a beautiful, captivating human story. And I think that's what we're trying to capture with the magazine. And to fast forward to like where we are today, like we talk a lot about how creativity is our form of activism. And it took us a long time to come back home to ourselves with that. Cause like I said in the beginning, like we were so scared to call ourselves political, to call ourselves active right. um, because you know, our parents told us to keep our heads down, to stay out of trouble, to not rock the boat. Mm -hmm. And I think like we talk about self-discovery and this journey and it's so messy. And part of that is actually discovering that like we have a responsibility as this new generation to actually use our voices for good and to use our stories to move people, like not just in our community. So mm -hmm. we feel like our lane is not maybe in policy or advocacy, but using storytelling and art and like humanity and empathy to really build bridges and to help people just like understand that fundamentally, like the diversity that makes us human is like worth celebrating. Um, and to now stand up for like our black brothers and sisters, which is something that honestly we hadn't thought about in the beginning, but it's something that we feel like is very central to who we are because if we can't like, we have to love ourselves and love our other communities too. Like our freedom is tied to the freedom of other people too. So Absolutely. I think, yeah, that vision has definitely evolved over time. I think it's still rooted in creativity, but now we're really like unabashedly confident in the fact that like we are also rooted in activism. Mm -hmm. So it, that's why we call ourselves a collective. Um, we used to be just a magazine and then we thought we were a media company because we didn't know, <laughs> we didn't realize what we were building at the time. You know, what we're building was something that didn't exist before. And now we feel very good about calling ourselves a collective because it's, you believe in something bigger than yourself. You know, you believe in the greater good, you have strength in numbers and it's for a shared purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I love thinking about is how our evolution as slanted has also evolved with who we are as people. Like Christy mentioned in the beginning, we outwardly said to our team that we're not a political organization. Like we're solely focused on stories. Um, a lot of us also didn't consider ourselves creative people in the beginning of slanted and fast forward three to four years later, Christy's doing a lot of creative writing. I'm as now a self-proclaimed like baby burgeoning poet. Um, we fully believe that everyone is creative, even if you don't think of yourself as creative. Um, and I think we also all consider ourselves activists now. And it is a journey that takes a lot of time to figure out like how you want to show up in this world. What are your unique talents and skills that can contribute to the well-being of everyone? Um, and now there's no denying that we are a political organization. And I think to be in this space, it's just a requirement of like being a good human and using your voice for good in this world, especially with, with what's going on right now with like the largest civil uprising our generation has experienced. And so we've taken on this journey and so has slanted. And one of our visions that will always be there is inspiring other people to be on this journey too and exploring all the different sides of you, the political side, the creative side, and not just the side that 
as traditional, traditionally raised Asian kids, we were taught to pursue like math and science or being a lawyer or being a doctor. Like we are so much more multifaceted than we are often taught. And this journey of Slanted has not only taught us as the people working on Slanted, but also the collective and the people that attend our events and read our magazines. So that's been really fun to just reflect on is how things have changed as we have changed as people too. Yeah. yeah, I love the different reiterations and realizing, you know, how far you guys have come. I think it's very similar to HN as well. We have a when, lot of identity crisis. When we first met, I think that's, that's normal as you start out, right? Similar with Slanted, I think that when we first started HN, we didn't even intend to be, you know, about, you know, policy and um, working with activists. And we wanted to really allow Asians to share their stories in the beginning. Yeah, we but, actually broke off into a very activist-focused yeah, organization yeah. called Hate is a Virus. Mm -hmm. So we we actually helped co-founded that. We're like super political in that group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Former rallies, supporting China Mac. Yeah. So it's just like you come to this realization that you do have a voice and we have this platform to make change, right? And in order to make change, we have to ensure that we're, you know, honing in on these influencers and people of influence to fulfill their civic duty, right? And we have that power and we have that platform to do so. Yeah, that's also the reason why we want to amplify you guys' voices as well. As yeah. well, like we came across your your Facebook page through a recommendation by a friend, and we read into it. We're like, oh my god! Like, I wonder if they're an Asian hustle network. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's funny. A friend actually was uh, sent me the AHN Facebook group and was like, "I think you should join." There's a lot of people <laughs> in there that I feel like you'd like to know, and mm -hmm. I think that's been such a beautiful discovery and a pleasant surprise i think after starting slanted was just like how freaking generous this community is and i'm not just saying with money i'm saying with like time and energy and connections like mm -hmm. i remember in the beginning of slanted and even still today it's like you know we were just starting off we were just like a group of friends starting this in my little apartment and um every time i met someone and we shared the vision for slanted they would be like oh my god there is like there's like five people i want you to meet like we need to follow up and have this conversation. And then like, you know, you have another conversation and it's just like an exponential ballooning mm -hmm. of that. And I think that was actually one of the things that helped us realize that we were more than a magazine. Mm -hmm. Like we had our first launch party, which we thought was going to be like 80 people or something. Um, I like look back on it now. We we're going to do it like at a salon or like some art gallery <laughs> and like, there's no way. Um, but at the end of the day, it ended up being like a sold out event with 300 people wow. At wow. the Museum of Chinese America. And they were like party crashers. Yeah, we were, we were so confused. And it, it was beautiful because it wasn't just Asian Americans there. Like there were other BIPOC folks there. There were white allies. And just like the magic and the energy that you felt and like how supported you felt. Like so many people come to our events and they say, if they're not from the 626, like this is the most Asians I've seen yeah. in any space I've been in. We heard that and, too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure Katarina can speak to it too in Denver, right? Which is like so different from New York City. And community is like the magic of all of this. And I think that's just like being able to uplift people in our community. Like I fully believe in the shine theory. Like, you know, rising tide raises all boats. Like it's not a competition here. Like I think to be able to dismantle and unlearn those thoughts is really, really important to actually building a coalition of Asian American organizations that is gonna make a difference. So mm -hmm. I don't know if Kat, you're gonna say anything about Denver, but. I would just reiterate like mm -hmm. how impressive and mind blowing it is to see a group of people that look like you, especially when you're not from a diverse place. And we hear that all the time when we used to do in-person events in Denver about just like, 
this sense of belonging that a lot of us felt at these events that we didn't grow up having. So just wanted to second what you were saying. It's amazing. So I'd love to know, I mean, you guys go through many, many stories all the time. Um, and I'd love to know, was there a moment in time where you heard some story or if there were any stories that you came across that really stood out to you um, and really spoke out to you and that made you believe like, you know what, we really have something for Slanton and I really want to continue, mm -hmm. you know, discovering stories like these. And we know like the entrepreneur experience, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, it's extremely difficult. There's so many ups and downs, so many doubts. There's always times you're out late, uh, like up late at the at night, thinking to yourself, like, is this all worth it? Like, is this what I want to do? You know, like, you want to hear, like, what are these turning points that the community sort of pushed you through and validated your ideas? I would say there are so many stories where when I read them, I'm like, wow, like, <laughs> I cannot believe that this was unearthed with the process that we have created with Slanted. But I would say the thing that really stands out to me when you, when you ask that question is the journey of storytelling that our contributors take. So when we ask for submissions, we just ask for a story idea. We don't ask for a fully fleshed out piece or a draft. Like we really take a chance on that potential and give people who don't consider themselves writers or creatives to create something beautiful. And so seeing the first draft to the final draft is just absolutely mind-blowing. We've had people completely pivot what they had submitted to what they ended up submitting for the magazine throughout that process. And like Christy said, it really is a journey of self-actualization and unearthing these really personal things about yourself, these themes that you grew up with, and a lot of times dismantling what we've learned and coming into our own and stepping into our own identity. So I would say for me, the journey stands out and just seeing how powerful storytelling is, not only for a tool of self-discovery, but stating your presence to the world and then inspiring other people to do the same and get on that journey of self-discovery has been really fulfilling and amazing. Mm -hmm. Don't have much more to add to that other than like that's that's why I believe so deeply in our co-creative process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Kat mentioned that like we take a chance on people and we really do. And yeah. it's never about like, cool, we signed off on your idea. Now go write and we'll see you at the finish line. It's very much like we dig into them. We do like one-on-one -on -one storytelling workshops with them just to understand like the core emotions behind what they're trying to write. And the reason why some of these stories pivot so drastically is because more times than not, they're finally honest with themselves about yeah. what story they actually want to share. And it's scary as hell, like to be able to sit there and be like, oh my God, this is a big part of myself that I was too scared to be vulnerable about and put on the page, you know? And uh, I think it's a testament to our process and to our people that we've been able to create a space where they feel safe enough to do that. And then I think to layer on top of that, like we believe so strongly in relationships. And so a lot of our writers, um, we pair them up with artists who are also Asian American identifying and they together get to create a visual piece to supplement the written piece. And so throughout that process, they become friends. Um, like we play matchmaker with them and it's just like such a beautiful way to see people's stories come to life in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. um, so I agree. I think the journey itself is probably the most fulfilling, but a story for me that stands out that actually had a very personal impact on me was from our first issue. Mm -hmm. And it was about the power of names 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we have one this issue, actually. A sc- our first ever screenplay talks about the power of names from a very different mm-hmm. perspective. Um, but the one in issue one was about the power of this woman's last name and how she, when she got married, she changed her last name to match her husband's. And after they went through a divorce, she started to question about like how much of herself did she give up in the process. And it was like a really deep, almost like meta exploration of a name. And she went all the way back to think about like, well, the last name that I got was actually from my mother. And then she started thinking about how like her mother and that generation chose names for themselves as a way to like reclaim their identities and reclaim their power. And it resonated so deeply with me that actually for people who don't, didn't know me before, my last name is actually Mac, M-A-K. It's my father's uh-huh. last name. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually in the process of changing it to Yen, which is my mother's last name. And the reason for that is because I was raised by a single mom. And my entire life, like, she's been the reason, like, why I am who I am today in, like, all the most wonderful ways. And so as, like, a a final act of, not final act, but, like, the biggest act of filial piety, I felt like I I really, really wanted to change my name to, like, honor her, her work and her sacrifice. I don't think I was able to do that um, without having read that piece in issue one. Like, it just deeply resonated so much, like, in my soul that I felt moved enough to make a personal change. Um, that's yeah. amazing. I I feel like my heartstrings are being tugged on right now. I mm. thought that was very, I'm about to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our journeys, like you said, they're always ever evolving. We're, you know, figuring out who we are on an everyday basis, you know, and I'm finding more and more about, you know, the history of my family, culture, heritage. You know, and I think that I will continue to learn more and more about it every single day as we grow up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just on the topic of names as well, like, how'd you guys come up with the name Slanted? I'm kind of curious about that. <laughs> what, is, what is the meaning behind that? How'd you guys end up coming up, coming up with that name? Because we love it. You know, we like it yeah. a lot. It feels like it's strong and political at the same time. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Thank you. Yeah, we, we get either a lot of love for it or a lot of hate for it. Like, it's a uh-huh. very binary situation, yeah. so... It's actually interesting because I feel like most people our age, like the millennial group, understand what we're doing with the name Slanted in the fact that we are reclaiming a previously derogatory term, turning it into something beautiful and empowering and really writing our own narrative that has been historically written by other people. So thank you for liking it. We do get a lot of um, criticism for it because you know, it does stem from a previously derogatory term. And so it's something that we're definitely trying to change and kind of take back that power. Um, but the way we came across it was we just had a big old brainstorm about what our name for the magazine could be. Mm-hmm. We went through some really terrible names, um, a lot of food related names, a lot of cutesy names. And I don't know if there was other final contenders, but Slanted really stood out as like the one that was bold, provocative. Mm-hmm. It inspired a discussion about Asian American identity and what is appropriate or not appropriate. Mm-hmm. And just this huge discussion about like cultural appropriation versus appreciation, race, identity, all wrapped up in one little name. And so that's always been our mission is to spark this dialogue and to make talking about race and identity easier in our everyday lives. And so we were like, if we can accomplish that with our name alone, we've done a great job. So um, it started out just with like a bunch of names and landing on Slanted. I think it was Christy's sister, Crystal, who 
thought of the name. So kudos to Crystal. She's she's been such an amazing part of the team. Um, but yeah, that's how we landed on it. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome to yeah. hear that you guys are reclaiming something like yeah. that because that's that's how we felt about um, our name as well, Asian yeah. Hustle Network. Mm-hmm. So the word hustle has such a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. I just got hustled, you know. But when you talk about the word hustle with the Asian community, it comes in a very positive light. Like my parents came to the United States and we hustle our way through, and my parents. You know, have this hustle to take care of, like, to give us the American dream, mm-hmm. you know? So we pretty much feel the same way. You want to turn it into a very positive thing. We, we feel like the word hustle, like, resonate with who we are, our identity, a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Even when we're referring to, um, like, having side projects when you have a full-time job, it's called a side hustle, you yeah. know? And we love that you guys are repurposing slanted. We're also doing the same thing. And t- having this conversation right now, it's like, we have a lot in common, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish that we, we met you guys earlier I too. Know. We could have teamed up so much earlier and like <laughs> do some great in the world. Yeah. Okay, things happen for a reason at the right timing. So yeah. I feel never like it was. Late. Yeah, it's never too late. And uh, with the name, I feel like it it was a bold statement, and it was just so interesting with timing because that was around the same time that the Supreme Court case uh, came out around the slants. Um, the rock band, the Asian American rock band. And we became friends with Simon from the slants because of our name as well. You know, it's almost like we got your back, you got ours. Like we support, we see what you're doing. We see you, we hear you, we value you. And at the same time, that's actually how we got introduced to our lawyer who literally was, is this lawyer, John Tran. He's incredible. He's based out in Irvine and he found us on the internet. I think it was actually through Simon from the slants. And he just sent us a cold email and was like, Hey, I really believe in this mission that you all have. And I don't know if anyone's ever given you any legal advice. Um, but I would love to help you protect your name because Mm -hmm. it is obviously something so important for you. Um, and I just really believe in the cause that you are all championing. And I love that so much because we were literally nothing at that time. Like we were just an idea and someone in the community believed in us and felt this generosity to, of spirit to reach out and be like, we see you and we love what you're doing and more of this needs to happen. And so I think of AHN in that same way where it's like, if an entity like that exists, it's like giving our community permission to chase after the things that we really care about. And, you know, I think Brian, you asked a question earlier around, like the struggles of entrepreneurship. And for me personally, I think that actually giving myself permission every day to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is one of the hardest things, mm-hmm. um, especially coming as someone who's like so risk averse or I'm trying to be more fluid and open with things. A life coach has helped, but like being more fluid with stuff and just giving myself permission to take risks like this and to go after the things I care about and what I'm passionate about is probably the biggest struggle but I think like having this community and having people and having a partner like Katarina has been really helpful um, in giving myself permission, you know, just like to go out and dream a little bit bigger. Yeah, I love it. And shout out to John Tran as well. He also trademarked our name as well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel like he's like our lawyer dad, like literally. <laughs> Oh my God, he's like our fairy godfather. I just feel like this is incredible. Shout out to John. We love him. He does have that fatherly. He also called messages as well. He's like, I love Asian House Network. You guys want to trademark your name? Okay. (laughs) Oh my God. We should send him something. I know. Let's do it. And Simon earlier, Simon Tam, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy as well. We connected him a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we watched your video on the Kickstarter campaign, and I did notice that a majority, if not all, are um, women on your team. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. 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 I we love do that. have two male identifying amplifiers, but okay. our core team and historically, we've all been mostly women. <laughs> <laughs> women get things done. I'm going to just say that out. <laughs> but like, we welcome all, but it just turns out that people who have stayed and flourished in the core team, at least, have been female identifying. Yeah. Yeah, cool. we, we love that too, because mm -hmm. we, for our team, at least, we try to staff our team with mm -hmm. a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, coming from different orientations, sexual orientation, and different beliefs, yep. different parts of the world. We have people on our team in London, Australia, Canada. And we, re we realize that now it's bigger than just the United States. Like mm. Asians from around the world mm. in Canada, Australia, like Europe are feeling the same thing. Mm -hmm. And when we have bring together these people of collective mentalities and different life experiences, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. like we yeah. all have this, this desire to belong to a community. So mm -hmm. I, I love the way you guys are staffing your team. I do agree. I mean, no offense to all the guys on my team. <laughs> but like girls do get it. They get it done. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I mean, we would love to have more male and like gender non-binary folks for sure. Right. I think like if any of them are listening and want to help out, <laughs> I feel like definitely shoot us an email because we think diversity of perspective is really important. Like yeah. I think we've been working really hard to diversify beyond East Asian. So although a lot of us, I think, look East Asian or East Asian passing, it's actually not true. Like we do have a lot of Southeast Asian representation and now some South Asian representation, but it's really, really important to like demonstrate within leadership, you know, that we actually value diverse perspectives. So we, we would love to have more men in gender non-binary. We're going to submit an application. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I've noticed just in general in these spaces of activist space, also a lot of like DEI spaces, is sometimes I'll look around the room and it's usually mostly all women. And I'm like, where are the men? Exactly. And so I don't know if it's the fact that our society doesn't give men permission to be vulnerable. Um, Christy and I wanted to have an entire quarter based a uh, quarter of events on Asian masculinity and helping our, our male counterparts get more comfortable with these spaces. We do see men in these spaces, but I would say a lot of the events and gatherings I go to, it's majority women. So that's something that's been on my mind lately is, is like, why is that? And how can we get more men involved? Definitely. Yeah. Maybe we could talk possibly talk about collaboration too, because our group right now is predominantly men. Yeah. If we could uh, bring together our communities, I think that'd be great for the Asian community. Yeah. HN has been predominantly men. When we first started the group, it was a 30 to 70 percent ratio between uh, women and men. But we started oh. bringing on more women uh, moderators and started encouraging more women to share their stories. Mm -hmm. And I think that trickled down to other women feeling inspired to share their own stories as well. So now it's really converted to a 54 and 46% between men and women, um, which is good. We're heading in the right direction, but we still need a lot of work. Um, but yeah, I agree. You know, just being in ERGs and like ERGs for like Pan-Asian, mm -hmm and equity um, groups like that, I do notice that there are more women compared to men. And I'm not sure why that is. I think, yeah, similar to what Katarina was saying, maybe they feel like they don't have a voice in those certain groups, um, but we're looking into that too, yeah. Yeah, always looking yeah. to improve, but yeah. since, uh, like, I'm kind of curious too, when you guys work together, what kind of struggles have you guys faced, like working with a co-founder or trying to execute a, an idea when you guys have different, I, 
different approaches to solving the same problem. Yeah. And like Brian and I always say that like co-founders, they're pretty much like being married to each other. Right. Mm. And in terms of like you two meeting each other in that bakery store, um, what were like some of the evolutions that you guys have gone through? You know, what are some things that you guys really work well together on and what are the differences Mm -hmm. um, that you guys work well on? Yeah. Wow. There's so much, but yes, we yeah. are basically married. <laughs> I was about to say that we are basically married. Same thing. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, we, we're also open books. I feel like we're not afraid to get vulnerable and just be honest about the process. And it's definitely challenging at times, right? Like we're long distance. We met once before we decided to get married. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it was a world so wild. We're wild. Yeah. But it's, we, we knew deep down, despite the differences in maybe perspective or ways of working, like we still shared a very core set of values. Um, and just like this, this belief and this love for the community. So I think that's what always bonds us and also knowing that things come from positive intent. But I think like every relationship, no one tells you that you need to be really explicit about expectations, about communication styles and I think all of those things are exacerbated with a long distance relationship. So, you know, it's no secret. We tell this to other people and other founders actually, like we highly recommend getting like a business therapist or a coach. And we actually got one when we were going through a really rough patch in our partnership. And it was the first time that we actually, I think, sat down and just got really honest about how we were feeling, not just about like the business, but on like a very deep personal level Mm -hmm. and really taking stock of like what we were both really strong in and being honest about what we have gaps in. And I think just being very candid and transparent about like, what do we need help with? You know, it's like an ongoing journey. Like, and as long as both people are all in and willing to do the work, um, it's definitely possible to make it out to the other end, but it's, you know, if you don't talk about things and you just make assumptions, like it definitely can go awry. And so it's just, it's been a work in progress, but I would say that we've come pretty far from like where we first started. Cause you take it off of faith and like the honeymoon phase of everything's really beautiful and fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. And then you've never worked together before. So you just, you forget, you know, you forget certain things. And for Katarina and I, like we were building a friendship at the same time we were building a partnership, which is um, its own struggle in its own right. And so I think just being really intentional about people is like, I think a big learning from that. And we, I think personally, I've applied that a lot with the rest of our team. Like whenever we bring someone in of being very intentional about, you know, who they are as individuals, what are their communication styles and all of that to ensure that you have like a very strong and healthy working relationship from the get go. But I don't know, Katarina, if you have any thoughts on like how our friendship and our partnership has evolved over time. Yeah. I mean, that's spot on. And I think, some of the biggest things that we learned from Julie, who was our partnership coach, was one, open, honest, and often communication is always the key to everything. A lot of times you get into conflicts and it's a misunderstanding or there was a lack of information and just getting on the same page about something that's bothering you that's little to something that might be a bigger conflict, like just always being upfront about it is always a great solution. And then also just realizing that it's rarely about right or wrong and it's more about just understanding. So I think over the past couple of years, I've learned that there are so many different working styles and all of them are valid. Another thing I've learned is that our weaknesses shouldn't be seen as weaknesses. And so with Julie, we did this exercise called called superpowers and shadow sides. So it's like everything that you have a strength in, there's also 
a shadow side to that and things you need to be aware of. But instead of calling it a weakness or something that you need to change, it's just something you need to be aware of and maybe slot in other people to Mm -hmm. fill those gaps. But it's not something that you should be ashamed of. And so I think a lot of it is just like tweaking your perspective on things Mm -hmm. and changing them from a binary of good or bad to just, this is something we need to figure out and we'll figure it out with these tools that we have in our toolkit. So I feel like we've learned so much about building a strong partnership. And like Christy said, it's always a work in progress. But once you have those tools in place of like good communication, often feedback, um, you know, what to do when you're getting stressed or you're, you're, you're feeling burned out. Once you have those tools in place, it becomes a lot easier to manage different things happening in your relationship. But yeah, it's like a marriage. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, actually, one of the key things too, I realized is like, don't model your leadership after someone else's. Right. And I think that's something that we both learned that like, you know, we came from corporate and it's a very masculine white supremacist type of structure. So, you know, certain things that were valued there, may not be valued in the company that we're building. And so being really authentic about that. And so I think one of the fun tools we actually use is personality tests. Like we freaking love personality tests. So there's things like the Enneagram, we look at astrology, what house you're sorted in for Harry Potter. Like we do this, it's like a fun, it's like a fun light way to actually get to know each other better and to have the vocabulary to actually talk about how we work and how we think Um, because no one really teaches us how to articulate those things. Yeah. And similarly to Slanted's idea of wanting to make race an easier topic to talk about, we want to make this type of partnership building and people skills building an easier thing and a more fun thing for everyone. So, you know, we joke about that stuff, but it's, it's been really helpful. And actually, when we have new folks join, we do have them fill out some of these personality tests just so we have something as a starting point to talk about. Because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like we're a creative, we're a creative company. So like, why not take creative liberties to figuring out how each other likes to work? Yeah, yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah, I definitely love that a lot too. Yeah. I mean, just taking time to figure out like your leadership style goes yeah. a long way. Yeah. You know, yeah. even with our organization too, like we always tell each other it's okay to be brutally honest, especially to me. Like, yeah. I tell my team to be very mean to me all yeah. the time because I'm here to improve. I, I want to listen to honest feedback because the danger of having an organization where we're all nice to each other is that things get swept under the rug all the time. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you're building a worse culture because no one's really honest to each other anymore. So once in a while I would tell my, my executive team, like, I just be really mean to me in front of people. <laughs> it's okay. You know, I'm not the type of leader where I take things personally. I'm the type of leader where I see things to be improved upon. You know, I'm always implementing it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes inside our group. People make mistakes all the time. Just go ahead. I want people to be more, like, take, take, take more risks. Like, it's the reason why we're doing so many things inside AHN is because we bring on people with crazy ideas. You know, for us, it's like we're not too comfortable with, like, doing giveaways or, you know, just putting ourselves out there in general. But we have people on the team who are, and we just enable them. And when... I'm against it. I tell them to be honest with me. They'd be like, Brian, you're being too shy right now. You're being too hesitant. I'm like, okay, okay. you're right. I need to take a step back and, uh, all right, let's, let's execute this. Let's come up with a plan. Let's do it. You know, and I feel like you guys are the same way. You know, one thing that I really love about what you guys do is the personality test. I think that's something that we, we should really focus more in AHN is the personality test. Because for us, like, we bring you in with a certain skill. Like you are really good at event planning. You're really good at writing. You're really good at strategy operations. So we put you in the team 
and then that's sort of what we do. But I think you guys have a better operational standpoint than, than we do right now and really commend you for thinking about that. Yeah, I also really love the personality test. I think that in the first couple of years starting out a company or a business, it's so easy to get like so like busy with just like, you know, operations and wrapping up your product, right? Mm-hmm. And you forget to really like learn about your team members, right? Learn about their personalities and stuff like that. And I feel like we can definitely do better in AHN. I think, you know, every company should do that as well. You know, learn about their their employees, their, you know, their peers and see how we can work better together. Um, so I really love that. So I know Slanted is about redefining what it means to be American. We'd mm-hmm. love to know what it means to both you, Katarina and Christy, what it means to be American to you. Ooh, that's such a juicy question. <laughs> yeah, Christy, you can go first. <laughs> oh my God, I just got, yeah, I got voluntold. Um, <laughs> let me think. What does it mean to be American? Mm-hmm. I don't think I have any like beautifully pithy statement other than, <laughs> other than to finally be seen and valued as I am yeah. and not to be questioned about why I belong here. Like to be fully accepted that I belong to take up, I belong here and that I deserve to take up space. Mm-hmm. I like it. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. we put you in the spot so you completely understand. <laughs> Katarina. it's, it's actually something that I'm struggling with right now, just because our leadership is so incompetent. And I feel like there is a lot of shame with being American, especially if you look at how other parts of the world are handling coronavirus, um, the many struggles our country is currently facing. And so, you know, one thing I've been working on is actually getting my Taiwanese passport, because I'm like, what if something happens in the US and I need a bounce? Um, but I think what gives me hope is being with people like everyone on this call and on this podcast, um, being with the activist community, being with other BIPOC groups, because I think that is the future of America. And I also look at Gen Z. So we have, um, a group of trailblazers, which are more traditionally known as interns, but we don't like calling them interns because they give us so much more than what traditional interns are perceived to offer. And they're all Gen Z. So they're all in college or recently graduated. And they are so inspiring. Like they are thinking Mm -hmm. about social issues, political issues, identity issues at their age. When, when I was in college, I just wanted to party and get good grades. Like I was not thinking about my identity or like global warming or like the race wars. And so I think what will help me. And I think a lot of other people too, is focusing on the future of America and Mm -hmm. what it could mean to be American and what we're growing into where, like Christy said, like everyone belongs here. Everyone can have, have an opportunity to thrive here. And it doesn't matter what your skin tone is, what your race is, how you grew up. Like everyone is welcome here to make America the great place that it was supposed to be. So I think I'm currently struggling with that, but I am hopeful, especially with the new generation, all this amazing activist work and this like 
work of new future building happening in our communities, that is what is really inspiring me to be hopeful about what it means to be American. I think we're going to get there in the future. Like change is happening. I, I think we can all feel it around us. But yeah, it's definitely a work in progress. Yeah, I think it's our responsibility as a generation to redefine it, you know, and to build the America and the vision that we believe it can be. So I fully agree. I think it's like about the future. Like it's not about going back to normal. Like what was normal was not working. Right. Mm. Right. Exactly. Love it. Well, it was amazing having you two on the show. Um, how can our listeners learn more about the two of you? And do you have any final words you'd like to add in? Maybe talk about your Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. um, we are running our Kickstarter campaign until September 18th, I believe, for issue four, Revolutions. So if you want to pre-order your copy, that's where you can do it. The link is bit slash Lee, bit.ly slash slanted. I'll give you the link. <laughs> oh. And then on the internet, we just launched a beautiful new website at slanted.com, no E in slanted. And then on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, we're at slanted creative. So come find us on Instagram, especially we're very loud about all the things that we do. So you can keep in touch with us there. Amazing. Yeah. Thank yeah. you guys so much for being on the show today. Yeah. Thank you too. It was amazing hearing your stories. All right. Thank you for having us. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.